This session of Scanner School is sponsored by our new training course, An Introduction to SDR, or Software Defined Radios. Now this course is designed to walk you through the process of not only purchasing, but also installing an SDR, getting the accessories hooked up, and getting the software installed in your computer so you are ready to go without wasting time and getting you operational as soon as possible. We'll teach you how to not only set up the hardware, so you can get analog reception, but also P25, DMR, NXDN, and trunking, all, again, with simple-to-use hardware and your existing computer setup. So for more information about this introduction to SDR training, please visit our website at scannerschool.com courses. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And this is Scanner School, a podcast that is here to help you learn more about the scanner radio hobby. So today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. I, I want to start another segment on the podcast, looking back at some of the scanner radios not only that I own that means something to me, but also some scanner radios that came out that really changed the scanner radio hobby. So I figured there's no better way to start this segment than to talk about the very first scanner radio that made a difference in my life, the Uniden BC 200 XLT. So again, while this is a new segment, uh, I'm open to suggestions to maybe some other scanners that we could talk about. So I mean, like the Uniden 780 XLT rings a bell, what comes to mind, maybe the... Um, the BC 890 XLT, maybe the Pro 2006 or the 2004, even the uh, the Bearcat Electra 101, something like that, something you know that really changed the way that scanner radios worked, or maybe even something that um, was unique for the time. You know, maybe a little kind of mini series going on here, but I think this will be a a really cool. Uh, type of thing to pepper into the existing layout of Scanner School. So again, if you want to know more, you want to see pictures of this radio or anything else like that, you can go to scannerschool.com slash session 74. Being that this is the 74th episode of Scanner School. Again, every single session we talk about has its own URL. This one is scannerschool.com slash session 74. The Uniden BC 200 XLT. It's a handheld scanner, 200 radio channel, 10 banks. This scanner came out probably around 1992, and I picked one up used in about 1994. So when you bought one new, you would get the scanner, you would get a 12-volt wall plug to charge the included NICAD battery pack. Now, this NICAD pack would slide into the bottom of the scanner, making it even that much larger than it was already. It came with a semi-flexible BNC general purpose or general receive antenna, as well as some really crappy uh, or or just garbage earpiece that that would come with the uh, the scanner. Not like today's iPhone earpiece. This was something that was uh, uh, you know it, it looked like it would bury into your brain when you would use it. It was really ridiculous looking. But anyway, uh, it came with that. And what was really cool about it, too, is not only did it come with a manual, which, again, today, you can't almost find that uh, with a scanner, but 
It came with its own leather carrying case that the scanner would slide into and a little flap would come up the top and it would kind of sit on the angle and it would hold the, uh, the scanner in place. Now, this leather case also had a loop on the back. So if you wanted to slide your belt loop through it, uh, you could do so. Uh, you know, once your, your belt was basically through the case, though, you had to completely unbuckle your belt in order to get the scanner's case off of your belt. So it really wasn't a great design in, in practice, but, you know, it was pretty cool. A scanner came with an actual case. Now, again, you show me today a scanner that comes with a case. I can tell you one, probably the Whistler TRX uh, one is the closest thing to a scanner that comes with a case in today's market. But other than that, cases are now aftermarket so it's pretty cool that this 200 xlt actually came with a case so again i picked up this scanner on the used market in about 1994 i was probably about 12 or 14 years old uh kind of in the in the hobby of scanning to begin with but really you know starting to branch out on my own and and to uh to understand how this all worked but um you know, if you if you listen to session one of the podcast and you listen to a bit of my background, you know the story. But for those of you who jumped in somewhere after one, I mean, that was 73 sessions ago at this point. Um, this was the first scanner I actually bought with my own money. Now, I spent about $200 cash. Now, for a kid who's about 14 years old or so, uh, you know, $200 is, is, is quite a bit of money. So, how did I have $200? Yeah, well, like any other kid that was probably in the 90s or even earlier than that, because I think that's the last kind of year they did that. Oh, I might be the last generation to actually say I had a paper route. So, yeah, I delivered newspapers, and uh, the local paper here was called Newsday, and I delivered that for quite some time. And, um, yeah, I had $200 happen to be laying around, which is, you know, unheard of for a kid my age. And uh, with nothing really to buy besides, you know, candy bars and whatever else, um, you know, I, I had money laying around for a, for a scanner, so that's that's what I bought. So I paid about two hundred dollars for this scanner, and I just out of curiosity, I jumped onto the U.S. Inflation Calculator website, and it looks like the equivalent of two hundred dollars um, back in nineteen ninety four is worth about three hundred and thirty five dollars or three hundred sorry three hundred forty four dollars uh, U.S. today. So about three hundred and fifty dollars gets you a unit in BCD. 996p2 or 325p2 so you know this scanner back in 92 94 versus what you can buy now yeah the, the, the 996 and the 325p2 has like 9,000 memory channels alpha text pl tones p25 uh, motorola trunking edax trunking ltr trunking yeah not back in the 90s and not when i bought my 200 xlt so again, going back to what I said back in session one, the 200 XLT, again, has a place in my heart and has a place in my history when it comes to scanning because, again, this is the first scanner radio that I actually bought on my own. I bought it with my own money. It wasn't a hand-me-down. It wasn't something my dad gave me and said, here, enjoy it. No, it was something I kind of borrowed from my dad because my uncle and I went out and we bought one of these for my father, probably for, for his birthday or Father's Day or, or something. I don't really remember why or, or when. But I do remember taking a trip out to uh, Oceanside, New York with my uncle. We went to some indoor flea market type of thing. And there was a guy there that uh, had a little corner of the flea market. And he sold electronics. And um, he was a friend of my dad's at the time. And, and um, you know, I, I can't recall anything beyond that, what the place was called or anything like that. But I do know we specifically went there to go see him to go buy this unit in radio. And, uh, you know, my, my dad was pretty surprised and, and he enjoyed the radio. My uncle actually had one at the time. 
So, um, you know, it was it was cool that my uncle had one. It was nice. My dad had one. It, I would kind of borrow from him, play around with it, and 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 use it. And um, you know, I I just liked them, so I went out and I bought my own. So again, that's kind of one of the reasons why this mem- this 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 radio here brings back some memories to me. You know, it, it brings back my uncle having it, my dad having it. Um, you know, going out and getting it, programming my own, and. As I'm talking about this radio, it's sitting right here on my right-hand side on my desk. So I'm looking at this radio as I am discussing this, and it's bringing up all these memories for me and everything else, which is really, really cool. Kind of a walk back through memory lane. So anyway, it's a big radio, though. I mean, I have it standing right next to my my uh, my SDS-100, and this 200XLT just towers, towers over it. So again, is this radio... With the battery, with the antenna that came with it. Now, again, I have the antenna that came with it on the radio because I don't throw anything out. It measures 14.25 inches tall or 36.17 centimeters. Right? Without the antenna on top, the radio sits about 8 inches, uh, again, which is, which is 20.32 centimeters tall. Putting it another way, if you were to take the antenna off of a BCD325P2 and stacked one on top of the other... That's how tall the radio is. This is a big boy. It's a big brick of a radio. It doesn't weigh a brick, but it is big. It's very flat. And um, at the time, though, it was really cool. Today, not so much. <laughs> I mean, it really has nothing going for it. But it is really cool for what it was what and what it represented at the time as well. So, again, the radio... Holds 200 memory channels, which again at the time was was pretty cool. It has 10 banks, which means you could break it up into 20 memory channels in 10 banks. Now again, these are hard coded in the in the radio, right? So if you didn't use all of the memory channels, but you still want to keep the banks organized, you would lose out on those. So sometimes, you know, it'd be easy if I just had, you know, say my police department at the time, we had less than 20 frequencies to worry about, so they all fit nice and cozy into a particular bank. Um, if you were to have something like, you know, Meyer and NYPD between you'd have all the countywide, I'm sorry, all the citywide, all the precincts or anything else. Yeah. You'd, you'd span a couple of banks and would start to really eat into things. But all in all, um, you know, I had this radio pretty much decked out or fully, fully programmed up with 200 memory channels in there. I, I spent countless times going through the frequency guides that were in print, the giant books, the big frequency Bibles that you used to go out and buy. And I had some spiral-bound notebooks, and I would just write on them, write in them, and, and make the layouts on how I wanted things. And then, then I would get tired of it, and I'd redo the entire layout. Of course, that meant reflashing the entire radio and starting over from scratch again. But that's how you did it back in the days. But when it came to 200 memory channels, I mean, that was a lot to worry about. So again, not only did you have your banks and your frequencies, but you also had 10 priority channels that would go into here if you turned on priority mode. Now, here's the catch when it comes to priority mode. Priority would work whereas bank one would have more priority than bank two, which would have more priority than bank three, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to bank 10. So if you were to say, put it in priority mode and something were to happen on say channel 51, because that was the priority for bank five, well, 
what would happen when you would go and have something on bank one, channel one? Well, the radio would then go to channel one. So that's how that priority would really work in this situation. So not only did you have to worry about programming what was going to go in which frequency, what was in each bank, but then you had to prioritize the bank so that one bank didn't have more priority than the other one if you didn't want it to have more priority than the other one when you had priority mode turned on. And you also had to have that bank turned on. So again, if you turn the banks off, then priority would just you know work as a lockout at that point. But again, it was very something that you would have to think about it. Now again, there was a built-in two-second delay. You had your lockout. You had your, your priority channels. Uh, you had your keypad lock, and you had this giant manual and scan button. And again, everything was this nice soft rubber, and it just felt good pushing down on the buttons. It had this nice little spongy feel to it that uh, was pretty cool. Now again, you had a little... Uh, LCD display, segmented display, so everything was all in its place, nothing real fancy on there, and uh, I believe that the backlight on it was this really funky green color, um, but uh, think back on it, maybe it wasn't, I don't know, I don't actually have mine plugged in, the battery on it is toast, but I do have the highly sought after triple, or sorry, double A battery pack that everybody seems to go nuts for these days. And uh, I got one of those, and I also have a battery pack that I took the battery out and just wired in direct so I can power up the radio if I wanted to. But for some reason, I didn't uh, I didn't do that before doing this podcast. I just took it out, and uh, like I said, I'm just looking at this radio as I'm talking to you guys and, uh, you know, just holding it and, and looking back at it. And I remember the satisfying click when, you, when you'd slide the battery off and pop it back on again. You know, it's a nice little, as it, as it would lock in and, and rub over that, uh, that raised piece in that little plastic nipple I guess that that would hold things into place but yeah it was definitely a really cool radio but going back um the on the specs on this thing right it it was slow when it came to scanning all right let's just get back to to what this thing is right it's a 1990s era scanning the spec says that it scans about 15 channels per second now, 15 channels per second on a 200-channel radio is about 13.33 seconds to go from channel 1 through 200 and then on your way back to channel 1 again. 13 seconds and change just to scan everything in that scanner and then go back to square 1 again. That is slow. <laughs> that is that is painful. That's Baofeng slow, if you ask me. I, I don't think Baofengs are actually that fast, to be honest with you. But it is, it's painfully slow. Uh, at least the search range on it was a lot faster. It was 25 seconds uh, per, 25 channels per second, sorry. 25 channels per second to go through the scan list. And this, this scanning was very easy. We just go to manual, you pop in a frequency, you'd hit the lower limit, then you would uh, put the upper frequency in, then you hit the lower button again for the limit again, and then you would just, or you hit the upper limit button, and then you would hit search, and that was just the block lower and the upper, and it would search right between there as well. But the scanner was really sought after because of how well it received for a handheld scanner. Uh, the fact that it was 200 channels, that it was really affordable for what it was at the time, and the frequencies that it would pick up. Now, going through the spec book on here, I'm going to break this down a little bit differently, but these are the ranges that this scanner would cover. It would cover from 29 to 54 megahertz, uh, which basically transmits 
the 10 meter band from 29 to 29.7 all in FM. Then you get this what they call low band from 29.7 to 50 megahertz. And then 6 meter ham from 50 to 54 megahertz all FM. So again, that's where you get the first block from 29 to 54. The second block covered 118. And that would take you all the way up to 174. So again, it'd be 118 to 136, which they called the aviation band. Again, that was cool because it was all AM. And again, the first radio I really had that allowed me to tune into the local aircraft. I remember this really was my first experience listening to the local towers in JFK Airport, LaGuardia, my local uh, Republic Airport and whatnot, and listening to the planes fly around overhead. So this was my first really, um, you know, introduction to that. It was also my first introduction really to marine monitoring and, and uh, railroad monitoring. So, you know, the scanner does have a lot that just brings back memories for me, which is really, really cool. So addition, additionally, going from 118 to 136, also covered military LMR from 136 to 144. The 2-meter hand band from 144 to 148. They called it v, uh, high band, which is really just VHF. 148 to 174, which I guess would be in here, at least in the States, would be uh, public safety. And then you got into UHF band. So from uh, 406 up to 512, was considered UHF, and again, that broke down 406 to 420, which was government, again, analog, uh, 77 handband, 420 to 450, UHF public safety, 450 to 470, and of course, the T-band, 470 to 512. Finally, the uh, the great stuff here, 800 megahertz. It's also covered 800. So it covered 806 to 823.975, then 849.0125 to 868.975. And finally, it topped off at 894.0125 to 956. And they consider it a lot to be 800 band. So let's take a pause here for a second. It covered 800 band. This scanner was really sought, or it was sought after because it could also be modified to cover the cellular band. And it was very easy to do. So back in the 90s, a lot of cell phones would use AMPS service. It was analog. So theoretically, if you had a scanner that could do analog reception in the cell phone band, you could listen to, you guessed it, cell phones. So if memory serves me correct, though, on this scanner, it would be slightly off because the way the step sizes were set up in the scanner versus the way the cell phones work. But all in all, it would kind of sort of get you there. But in 1992, the FCC amended Section 302 of the Communications Act that would now prohibit to manufacture, import, or certify scanners that could receive the frequency bands allocated for analog amps, cellular telephony. It didn't say anything about modifying it, right? It just says you couldn't receive it. Well, what happened was the 200XLT was very easily modifiable by cutting a single resistor. You could then restore the amps reception or the analog cell block in the scanner. So this quickly made this radio high on somebody's list of radios to purchase because this became, if not the last, one of the last scanners to be purchased in the States that would allow you to monitor that frequency block. So a lot of people would really flock to this radio because 
they wanted to monitor cell phones. But now again, this is an entirely different rabbit hole that I think we'll table for another day and another discussion. Because I, I never really understood, you know, the joys of listening to cell phones. But again, this hobby has a lot of different things that people can do with it. I mean, people listen to aviation, marine, uh, public safety, amateur radio, whatever it is. You know, some people just enjoy sweeping the spectrum and finding out what's out there. You got a lot of guys who just do military air or just federal government stuff. Some people, they like listening to phone calls and more power to them. But you can't do that now because all the cell phone stuff is pretty much digital here in the States. But again, let's take this off the table right now. We're not going to dive down this rabbit hole or else we'll go for another 20 minutes on just on this alone. So in the end, this was a really awesome scanner. Again, this holds a very special place in my heart and on my shelf. And I really do need to take this down more often and, and not, you know, clean it up and take the dust off of it from time to time. Um, maybe plug it in and, and turn it back on again and, and get some electrons flowing through the internal circuits and bring some RF back through this, you know, the circuitry and let the speaker do its magic. But again, beautiful scanner. It is big, but it holds a good place in my heart. I mean, like I said, this is one of the first radios that got me into the hobby. This is the very first radio I bought on my own and just knowing the back history on it. And again, like I said before, going and purchasing one for my father and, um, you know, this this radio introduced me to a lot of the scanner radio hobby. And again, I don't think I'd be into the hobby if it wasn't for this scanner, to be honest with you. Like I said, I've had other radios that, you know, were kind of, that were my dad's. Uh, he gave me a hand-me-down that I got to use on my own. But, you know, this was mine. This was the one I went out and I bought and um, didn't ask for permission to get. <laughs> you know, it was just like, hey... I set up this deal and, uh, you know, I was able to go out and, and purchase this radio. I don't remember if I said it earlier, but uh, I was listening to one of the scanner radio nets on uh, amateur radio. And after that was a swap and shop net, or maybe it was a swap and shop net was on a different night, whatever it was. There was a scanner radio net, you know, that, that I used to listen to that I was very busy in. And, and my current scanner being it was crystals. I couldn't really um, start popping these frequencies in too easily. And, uh, you know, my amateur radio at the time wasn't really the easiest to program either, but uh, listening on the, one of the swap and shop nets, I was able to find somebody really local that was selling this, and I contacted him, and I said, hey, Ma, Dad, you got to take me to this guy's place. I, I just bought a radio from him. So that's how I got it, and uh, it's been really cool. It's been a really good journey, and I guess all you listening right now can thank this radio for having me right here right now as well. So with that, like I said, I love this scanner, and in fact, I actually have three of them right now. But only one of them is truly mine. And that's this one right here on my desk. All right. I hope that you have enjoyed my little trip down memory lane. And is there a scanner out there that does the same for you? Maybe there's a couple of them. Maybe you want to come on and be a guest on the podcast and talk about something that, you know, brings as much or had brought as much joy uh, into your scanning radio uh, history just like this one brings into mind. If you want to come on, you want to talk about it, be a guest in the podcast. This is this is an open call, so just go to scannerschool.com, very top, click on podcast, and right below that, you'll see a link to become a guest. It's going to take you to a calendar page where you can pick the date and time that works for the two of us, and we'll set it up right then and there. Very easy to do, and um, this is an invite. So if you want to talk about maybe a, a topic or a scanner that said that you enjoy, 
why don't you be a guest in the podcast and, and we'll discuss it. Also, if you have any questions about a scanner that you would like to have answered, I am getting ready now to do my next Ask Scanner School and I need a couple more people to email me some questions. Actually, I prefer you if you would do it on voice. I got plenty of email questions, but I don't have enough queued up where I can actually have your voice on. I have a couple that are in the queue now, but I'd like to get maybe two or three more and make this a completely uh, uh, listener-driven Q&A session, so directly from you to me. So if you'd like to put uh, your question on the very next podcast, again, we'll be closing this next weekend, so try and get it in as quick as possible. Scannerschool.com slash ask, and you can find a link on there to use your smartphone or your computer to leave me a voice message, or we have a very local um, U.S.-based number that you can get the phone number to on the sidebar as well. So before we wrap up, I want to thank our continued Patreon supporters, we have Corrosive from Signals Everywhere, Glenn Bryden, Scott Vorder, Craig Harper, Brian Southworth, Dan, James Felling, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, M.T. Bono, Mark P.B., Raymond Hill, and William R. Canned. If you want to help support Scanner School, you can go to scannerschool.com support. We have links there that you can help support us monthly on Patreon, a one-time PayPal donation. If you shop Amazon, there's also an Amazon there button you can press there that uh, takes you right to Amazon. Anything you buy there will get a... Uh, a commission on or, or a cut and that helps also support scanner school so don't forget if you have any questions you'd like to have answered please submit them asap to scannerschool.com ask i prefer that you do it using speakpipe or our phone number this way i can get them in on next the next podcast which comes out uh, two weeks from this launch you want to go back and see anything, any show notes from today's session, go to scannerschool.com slash session 74. Now, Scanner School is copyright 2019, Monitor Long Island, Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything that you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday, 73.